August 3rd, 1997. Harrison Ford's Air Force One offered a strange fantasy in which the audience wasn't rooting for the president's kidnappers. A beloved Fox Kids show had its swan song. No, not Animaniacs. No, not Batman the Animated Series. No, not Tiny Toon Adventures. No, not Bobby's World. No, not X-Men. No, not Tasmania. Eek the cat? In France, Jean Calment, the world's oldest person, died at 122 and 164 days, and she was just three days from retirement. Meanwhile, in East Rutherford, New Jersey, Bret Hart fought The Undertaker at SummerSlam. Stop wiggling it! This is Hell in a Cell Phone. So I'm here fresh off of a violence intervention and uh, prevention workshop, you guys. Wow. What did you learn? Um, Basically, it was a whole lot of pearl clutching. A lot of... So So when you're trying to avoid violence, you clutch clutch, all of their pearls. Grab their their pearls, pearls. yeah. Yeah. No, instead of actually like talking to us about like situations in schools where you would... um, How to de-escalate things and stuff like that. It was a lot more of cover your ass like because you're going to get in trouble kind of stuff i got it so is it is i don't even know if that's pearl clutching it's it's basic yeah i guess it's mostly uh, cover your ass the the the, but the pearl clutching mostly came in the the person who was leading the workshop was say things like and you know back in the day it used to be we keep that stuff in the streets but the kids don't even do that and i could feel the wind from people nodding in agreement like yeah i know and i was sitting next to the woman who thinks she's the funny one in the seminar. First of all, nobody's the funny one in the seminar. Exactly. The funny one in the seminar is me, who's keeping <laughs> my mouth shut and keep my head down so I can get the fuck out of there at 6 o'clock when it was done. Right. The funny one is giving the Jim Halpert uh, look to the camera every time they're yes. saying something. Yes. Exactly. exactly. Read the room, lady. So, so one of the things was like talking about cultural differences, and they flashed up like the okay fingers and how that's okay here, but... In Japan, it means money or change. And... Doesn't it also mean white supremacy? Does it? Yeah, yeah I feel that's like it's been a thing yeah, on, like on a... Twitter. Well, I was not aware of that. Because... Uh, so, come to my so, seminar. So next now her week joke about it being a Fox News thing made a lot more sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Turns out she's actually hilarious. Turns out uh, real funny. Aaron, she's the funny one. She's the funny Ooh. one. Ooh. But the seminar ended with. Um, a very poignant moment where she said it's all about the way that you say things woman without her man is nothing woman without her man is nothing oh it's like the fucking where you put the comma oh yeah. for fuck's sake it's a little bit like uh like one of the like a like a slam poetry reading <laughs> so- woman whoa man <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. I'm Aaron Benoit, joined by... Bobby Hankinson. And... Eric Silver. 
and we are here to talk about SummerSlam 1997, but there's so much more that we have to we basically have to talk about the entire month of july in wwe and i am so excited to do so i'd like to say i'm really glad to be on the only podcast that has the most homework (laughs) out of all of the podcasts (laughs) what other podcast do you have to watch seven hours of television just to talk for For hopefully 90 minutes if we do this right um honestly i didn't mind like i watched every episode of raw leading up to it and i was riveted the entire time it's unbelievable comparing the product then to the product now and just how good these stories are and how jazzed i am for everything and how much like time has gone into every single one of the stories and hopefully by august september when this is released like wwe has righted the ship but just so you know for context right now we're in the 30 minutes at least of shane mcmahon a night it's been pure hot garbage but this this has been so fucking glorious to like relive this moment in time Mm -hmm. it is even those parts of it that i absolutely hated and we will get into but who boy uh It was a joy to be like, all right, I do like wrestling. Can I also say coming into this, I mean, we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about the whole thing. But I have to say right now, SummerSlam beats WrestleMania. Interesting. I think SummerSlam, SummerSlam, but like, I think last SummerSlam, like, was also better than than the WrestleMania that we covered. Like, so far I have, like, the WrestleMania, the one WrestleMania we covered was kind of a dud. Yes, but, yeah. but famously you're a dud, also, Yes, that, but that's we true. also need to keep in mind that that is famously, like, the worst WrestleMania okay, as well. Okay, fair. But, like, but this summer two time, Summer Slams in. We're two Summer Slams in, and they're both Well, when excellent. we had, when we had uh, Horse versus uh, Train <laughs> in the last one. How, well, Horse versus Train is... A classic. A Matt classic. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you top that? Well, Horse <laughs> versus Plane? <laughs> Well, this had one thing that I think topped anything that we've watched oh. the entire time, and I can't wait to get to that. Oh, yeah. All right. Right now, we let's go. Move. 1997, August 3rd, we're in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and I was so worried when they started with the national anthem that we weren't going to get an opening package, but God, did we get an opening It package. was an anthem before the package. It was like the moment mind, of silence. That we all, when we know, and we're good, like the, we'll go into the individual raw storylines as they feed into the matches as we talk about them. But just overall, there's been this huge anti-American storyline that's playing out. Yes. Um, anti-American, also anti-Canadian. I yeah, both say. sides. But also great, great people on both sides. But this is a pre-9-11 <clears throat> world. Um, but they're also like going way hard on all this. Like Americans are trash and dirty and gross and whatever. So like the choice to start with the anthem was a direct response to that story they were building. Oh, for that sure. That was the choice. But also like... I mean, we there was basically just jingoism for a month. Oh yes, and I I'll be honest, I'm surprised we didn't go to war with Canada. <laughs> and we'll get to all that in just a minute. But starting off in a perfect world, heroes would stay heroes. This opening package was truly like moving. I I was like, am I watching Pose? I was like so emotionally affected by like what was being said. It was truly poetry, and I did think the line about a hero loses his smile like was like I was like that shade. That is shade. That is classic. This is Paris is burning one on one shade, and I am here for it. The lost smile of youth. I I put a plus. Yeah, and we talked about how great the packages are in in like a cheesy way, but yeah, that's a real fun. Yeah, also no, but but Bobby brought this up last time we did this, and I a hundred percent agree. Now I think every 
WWE pay-per-view from here on out should start with some kind of mission statement like it does tonight because it gives direction for everything that's going to happen through the entire night. Yeah, it, it's this was the best one we saw so far, I think, by far. Well, it made the most sense. It was, the, it was literally like the most cogent of yeah. them because it was just like... These guys, you know, like these guys are not he- they're they're you know, there's different heroes in a fair world and all of this stuff and it was just like life's not fair. All of these things it laid it all out. It didn't I mean, it it got purple, but it like there were other ones that were purple in a way that it didn't make sense. Yeah. Like if you if you broke down it was like I don't know, the lyrics to a Sunday day real estate song. Like it <laughs> It kind of doesn't really make any sense. And, like, you realize that he's just stretching out a lot of words. Like, you're like, there should be more here. But in this, it was just like, okay, I get I get exactly what you're going for. And honestly, like, everything was well stated. Yeah, this was this was an amazing opener. Like, opening really promo. I was, I was instantly hooked and so excited for what was going to happen tonight. And the pyro. Can we talk about the pyro? We finally hit pyro time, huh? Well, I do have to say the SummerSlam set is worse than Raw's. I was, I was. That's why you were saying you're like, oh, the SummerSlam is better than something, blah blah blah. Because like one of my big takeaways from this was like, I can't believe how little work they put into this, like into making SummerSlam feel like the second biggest show of the year. Because let's go, and we're gonna start talking about the Raws that led up to this. The fucking pyro at the start of Raw, and they yeah. have pyro to announce the second hour of Raw is starting. That opening for like where they're like the the when Ahmed Johnson's walking by, the, I mean like, it's I was like I and remember this through, as a like, kid. Abandoned warehouse yeah, and, like people are fighting and they're fighting and there's a ring in there and they're that, and it's the Undertaker and you're like this is so fucking cool. Why they are have, we not doing this? They have anymore? two intros for now Raw. We have, I yeah, understand they, they it. treated it like two separate shows back then. What the fuck? Now we have. And then a bunch of video clips. This is so. I, I remember wa- again watching this as a kid and just being like, "This is fucking cool." It feels like punk rock. It feels like underground and crazy. And it it does feel like bum fights. Yeah, it, it feels <laughs> a lot like bum fights. <laughs> it's great. I I don't know. It got me. It gets me hyped as hell. And like, I cannot those... wait for Ahmed Johnson versus Kimbo Slice. <laughs> Or like Mickey Rourke and some guy from like the uh, Thomas Jane is homeless Beach. dad. <laughs> but like, no, seriously, like there was um like every Raw that I've watched since like since Raw is War be- became a thing in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, every Raw I've seen, it's like the cameraman starts out in the middle of a riot. And like it's just like you just the, like there's just like like things going off. I feel like every dog is scared. <laughs> They're all hiding under the blanket. Everyone's got like their thunder vest on. Yeah. That's like a weighted blanket. And the signs, the sea of oh, signs. Oh, those signs. The, there's amazing signs. There's some great signs. I don't. I, there's one in particular I want to talk about at the end of the show. Um, but yes, the signs are. Fantastic. Like, I can't even... There's there's too many. I get, like, overwhelmed. I'm not writing down any signs. I, uh, I wrote a couple, and as we hit... I think as... Uh, so, I grouped my notes by, the by like, the episodes. Okay. So, it'll be hard for me. I'm going to have to, like, go, go back and forth. Back and forth. Okay. So, we start off on the July 7th episode of Raw. Brett Hitman Hart has emerged victorious as part of the Canadian Stampede. And I can't believe how many newspapers had headlines about the Canadian Stampede throughout Canada. I feel that must be like they must pay for that, right? They're just paying like the, the no, Montreal also, Examiner. I do think in Canada that does count as news. 
<laughs> so Brett makes a lot of sense in this promo. Yeah, I wrote, Brett is not wrong. It's crazy how relevant it feels. It's crazy he was saying this in 1997. Yes. Because, like, this is, like, pre-Columbine. He was talking about shoot everybody, and I was like, oh, honey, you you ain't seen nothing yet. We can do it every year. I was like, we do it every day. Canada takes care of the sick and the old. They have health care. They have gun control. He did say there's no racial prejudice, and I just saw a sea of white people up there, so I'm not really sure well, if that tracks. Technically, true. <laughs> right. If you if you but only have no, white people, yeah, it's very hard to be There prejudiced. is no racial prejudice because we're all white. By the way, I, um, I don't know how this will go, but I was talking with a, with a, a client at my day job, and he was talking about, uh, and he's Canadian. He was talking about a coworker of his who was like Chinese, Chinese um, Canadian. And he goes, not to culturally appropriate, but he is, and he said something that was not cultural appropriation, but rather straight up racism. Right, racism about Chinese people. Oh boy! And I was like, um, Brett, <laughs> I beg to differ, sir. Why is Brett so wet? He was very wet in this promo. But Brett's always wet. I know, but he was... Brett's wet. He was real wet here, and I felt it was an unnecessary amount of moisture for someone who was just giving, just talking. Just just not even here to wrestle. He's just here to talk. And he's dripping. He got the full Roman Reigns, like, placenta treatment that came through. Wait, wait, wait. So are you intimating that Roman Reigns gets covered by a placenta? In afterbirth. He gets covered yes, in afterbirth. Yes, hey. yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. It's like practical magic. They use it. It's good. They put in the conditioner, and that's what he uses. Either that, but the theory is that Sustain. Roman... Or he walks through sort of like a car wash kind of effect, <laughs> except it's all... It's all Bailey's... Uh, no, it's all Quaker guys. State motor oil. Because, yeah, it has to be oil, because otherwise it would dry under the lights. Yeah. He's just covered in oil, well, like actual motor oil. I'm glad we're on the same page with that. But Brett Hitman Hart promises that if he does not win the World Heavyweight Championship, he will no longer wrestle in the United States ever again. And then they played the Canadian anthem, which I heard more times in the lead up to this pay-per-view than I have ever heard in my entire life. Yeah, I, I really, it made me want to know what all of the words are, because I only think I know the oh, first eight. Canada, you have a lot of wheat. <laughs> That's the exact Canadian anthem, national anthem. Tweet us your Canadian anthem lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, pitch perfect on that anthem. But Austin fucking showing up with the chair during this. Yeah. I love it so much! This is just crazy to think how long the story has been unfolding, all the different twists and turns it's taken. Yeah. Like, like, that's what like, my big takeaway feeling from this entire event is like, wow, we've invested so much in these stories and these characters. Because, like, in last, a way we don't do anymore. Last month and last episode for listeners uh, was the all of, Can- all of Canada versus. All of Canada. All of Canada versus <laughs> all of America. <laughs> Uh, but it, but so like that last month start kind of started the, or not started but like well, I mean, we can is, go back even this further. is just continuing I mean, like, yeah, it's yeah. just we can go all the way I mean there's and so that's the much night before so right right so now they're basically just like pushing this forward they're like okay now we had our five on five now we're gonna have each of the five 
wrestle each other. I feel like the UCB4 were the ones who were booking at this point because it's like, if this is true, then what else is true? Yeah, yeah. that's what, I, and that's what everything is missing today so much. And this is doing so well is that like there's a progression to these stories, there's an escalation, and now they just distill it down so much to the like, I want to beat you, you beat me, and now I want to beat you, and now you're gonna beat me, and now we're gonna keep beating each other until the third match, and then we choose who beat each other the most. Like it's so base and there's like no that's why there's like so hard to get heat and get invested in the stories whereas then they were fucking writing stories yeah it was because, awesome yeah because the that week they were in what edmonton alberta i think yeah they, it was edmonton. They were, yeah, yeah they were wearing the oilers jerseys and then the next week by the way they, edmonton is a crap city <laughs> it's a fucking oh. hole i would like to formally apologize to all edmonton listeners um we value your support i was there for like a couple days <laughs> yeah, my and mom I was is like this place fucking sucks so they go from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada to fucking Texas. And oh, do they hate Breton, Texas. It's br- it's just brilliant booking. How, how do they plan where the locations are? Do I they, wondered that myself. Is too, it because... is it like the Olympics where it's like a few years out? They're like, by the way. But it's got to be places. because we see the commercials still now. So I feel like it's always at least it's like months in advance. So that they, they, have to be... they look at where they're going to be and they're like, Here's what we do. I don't, I, honestly, I don't know. And the providence of this in particular is so interesting because they're going like back and forth so much. I love it. And like, and then, I, then, yeah, I don't right, know after that, first. they go to Nova Scotia. Yeah. Like I, they, no, they must have, they must have planned this storyline back when they were booking. See, I don't know if they did that or they booked it and then wrote to the booking. Maybe. Maybe. Because it just feels like they don't have the foresight to, to plan. Like, and plus with injuries and everything, it seems like it, they wouldn't plan that they, a story that far in advance. But I do think they would like recognize the opportunity and write around that. Chicken and egg. Yeah. Either way, whatever it is, it's fucking beautiful kismet. And I'm, I, it, it was a thrill to watch these yeah. four Raws preceding this pay-per-view. So now Brett's promise is in his contract. If he loses to The Undertaker. No, if, if he, he does, doesn't win. I know. I was... Okay. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Say it. No, you can say it. <laughs> no, you already said it. What are the terms and conditions of this contract? I watched... But now they've added more stipulations for every member of the Hart Foundation. So I would say that the the stipulations of the other Heart Foundation members are not necessarily heightening, to use the UCB comedy term, but rather they're just kind of like like hitching a ride. Well, there's a lot here because obviously, like losing your livelihood and not being able to wrestle on American soil is probably the top here. Although, right, they're lessening. They're 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 like declining, if you will. <laughs> But, okay. Shortening, recline. Yeah, that the episode of heightening. Shortening is actually what you put into a pie. Mama's little baby loves heightening, <laughs> heightening. <laughs> but yeah, no, like they're like. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't do shots before we record. <laughs> Are you kidding? Um, no, but like to to say to to hip, get back to what you were saying, they like it's it starts with I will I will never wrestle in. A, an entire country again the country where i wrestle for the most t- of the time <laughs> and then it goes so to, elegantly stated thank you for the most of the time and then the Hers next and the next one the next one is is i will it's owen what's owens owen is you're gonna kiss my ass austin and then he takes out the blistex and like you see him fumbling in his pot i got the blistex in here some Pulls it out like it's a Mentos commercial. And then Vince made sure to say, uh, derriere there, folks. 
Ugh. When if anybody First else of all, who was like, say ass, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear you say ass. Like, I just think it They're in like... Canada, so derriere is actually appropriate for that. Oh, because they have to do it in both languages yes. as per the law of the land. Yes. Um, and then it goes, and then it's like, um, uh, Bulldog is like, I'm gonna, you're going to have to eat dog food. I, I think. That the British bulldog thinks the idea of a man, a human man, eating dog food is the funniest thing in the world. He is a bulldog, I should point out. So for him, it's normal. That's just mealtime. And then what is it? Oh, Brian Pillman is going to have to wrestle in a dress. And rape Marlena. And and, and that goes without saying. Because he says, if I lose, I'm going to wrestle you in a dress. And if I'm going to get in that dress, I'm going to get in something else as well. And then Anvil says, I will shave off my goatee. So it's basically That's, like it's basically like something like, like if I lose, I'm gonna chop off my own dick, and if I lose, I'm gonna wear a funny T-shirt. <laughs> Speaking of shaving goatees, I think it's time we share with our listening audience. Oh yes, that it's funny you mentioned that because this wrestling friendship actually started with shaving our facial hair because we all watched the Royal Rumble together in 2014. 2015. 2015. It was one of the two. Yeah. So we watched and we all bet, and it was four of us, and we all bet numbers, and of course that leaves two left over, yeah. which we gave to the universe. We said, if the universe wins, we will shave our facial hair. And who did and the universe who... choose? <laughs> Roman, Roman Reigns. Reigns. And so we were all just little shaved, baby-faced babies, and ever since then, we've been watching wrestling ever since. But Bobby, although, Bobby, although your hus- husband... Husband of the pod. Yes, husband of the pod, Nathan, um, has an inability to grow and sustain facial hair, so his punishment was he had to try to grow a beard. Well, grow a mustache. Grow a mustache. And Spoiler looked, alert, it did not go well. No, he looked like a... He, he looked, looked, he looked, looked like, like he had to be on a re- registry. He looked like a whole bunch of the Canadians that they went to an interview. Oh! He actually looked like... He, let's start this up again. <laughs> He looked like he went to the room in which we all shaved our beards because we did all shave them in the same room at one time. Uh, and then he just covered his face in uh, Bret Hart and Roman Reigns oil and then rolled in the, the shavings. That's, that's our, what it looked like. metal filings. But these stipulations are nuts. And the best part about it was Owen Hart in the next week saying like something about sucking his toes. And I was so getting ready for like the Degeneration X period where he's like, you're going to suck my... And I was like, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. And he went, toes. And I was like, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Well, you know why he thought of that. Terrible Ted. <laughs> I'm going to put some ice cream on my toes. I'm going to declaw you, defang you, and you're going to suck them like my childhood bear <laughs> like my, like my childhood de-toothed uh, bear. Pooh bear. My... <laughs> Chained in the backyard bear. Although, um, Brett's promo that week was actually pretty good. America is shaped like a toilet bowl because everyone's full of crap. Yeah. I was like, we are shaped. I was going to, I thought he was going to say turkey. Sick burn. But he's right. Okay. And we're not even at the pay-per-view yet, guys, because we need to talk about something else first because something else amazing happened in the lead up on the Raws on July 7th. Austin is getting the shit beat out of him. And who should run in but mankind? Ready and willing to be the sacrificial lamb there. Mankind took a chair shot there that was hard to watch. It looked bad. There were a lot of chair shots in the homework for this this podcast that looked 
awful. I mean, unbelievably unsafe and so painful. So Austin still has the tag belts, but he's got no partner because Shawn Michaels hurt again. Um, Your smile's always in the last place you've left it. That's 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 the trick. <laughs> and so afterwards, Austin's words to mankind. Get your ass up here, you long hair freak. Ain't no way one chair shot keeps you down. And he says, I'm damn sure going to go to war with you. And he goes for the handshake, but mankind wants the hug. Oh, it was so... Oh, it was amazing. The way they built this was so interesting. I remember as a kid watching all of this and being, again, total Mark and a kid. And so, like, mankind was, like, so scary and so bad and if comic books have taught me anything, it's like never trust your villain, even when they're trying to work with you because they're going to turn on you in the end. Mm-hmm. So it was like it took a while for me to warm to mankind. And how they do that, starting with those JR interviews we talked about like in previous episodes to now, is truly amazing. But, but your instincts are correct because the villain in this case wasn't mankind. You it know what was it is? Stone Cold. In a world of shades of gray. <laughs> <laughs> So Austin gives him the stunner, gets in his face. Uh, I'm never team with you, you long hair freak. I think Austin hates hair. <laughs> I get it. I mean, like Austin it, and I shared the same <laughs> prejudice against men with long hair. <laughs> I wanna. I'd like to tell you a quick uh, digression for a second. I had a realization this past weekend. So I was um, I was down in Orlando for a friend's birthday, and I was like um, staying with an old college roommate. And he was like, hey, I'm going to take a shower. It's only going to take a minute or a couple minutes or whatever. And I was like, how is it going to take a couple minutes? And he literally went into the shower, comes out in a couple minutes. I was like, what the fuck just happened? Like, how did you do that so quickly? What can you wash in in like four minutes? Then I went into the shower after him and I noticed that only the bar of soap had been used. There was no shampoo or conditioner. I should point out my, my old roommate was bald or like balding. And I was like, Oh my God, bald people don't have to like waste any time in the shower. I, it never occurred to me. Also, though, Eric, do you wash your hair every time in the shower with shampoo? Every time? And conditioner. Okay. You, you don't have to do that. I mean, I have the shampoo and conditioner in one, but I. Of course you do, Aaron. Oh, of, fuck. Of course you do, Aaron. Of Jesus course Christ. you do, Aaron. Aaron, you're an adult. <laughs> But yeah, I wash it every single time. Really? Yeah. You're not you're actually not supposed to. But yeah, I don't. I don't believe in that. My, I, I can't work with my hair unless I do. Interesting. My hair will not obey. My hair gets hair. really greasy if I don't. If I don't. You've got a lot shorter hair than I do, though. That's true. Uh, but I, I mean, I have a lot of hair. In but also, people with longer hair. Well, yeah, no, I, I shampoo my chest and <laughs> I, balls. I, well. I, I condition my pubes every shower, though. That of, of course. But like thing. this guy, this guy didn't wash anything. I was like, oh my god, I, I had no idea that bald people would just be like, okay, just soap and done. That's it. <laughs> Eric, this is the weirdest thing. I, I sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's very... Think of Stone Cold in a shower. It no. probably takes I would no love time. to. <laughs> no time. I have, believe me. He spends more time bobbleheading. Anyway. Not, not after SummerSlam. Okay, let's <laughs> keep moving. Anyway, Mankind said drastic measures will be taken. Cut to next week. Austin's holding his own against Bulldog and Owen. Somehow, I don't understand how he's supposed to be like the Superman against both of them. But it's fine because it gets to amazing booking. Um, This tag match, okay. Picture it. Mm. Colts Neck, New Jersey, 1997, okay? What are you, Sophia? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Golden Girls. 
Uh, I am at my grandparents' house. I am there's no DVR, and so my I have to watch wrestling live. I am staying there. It's just me and my grandmother. And I was like, we have to watch wrestling when it's on because this would be a huge night. Your poor grandmother. And so my grandmother is there, full schmata, like full like like house caftan. Um, and we're sitting there and we're watching this. And they, the way they introduced Stone Cold's partner with the tapping boot, and then and then made you wait, and then really made you wait. Was so, I remember being on the edge of the couch, like fingernails dug into this the ugliest couch I can ever even imagine. I think it had a forest print on the couch. It was hideous. And then he came out and having to explain to my grandmother, like, okay, that was a former incarnation of this wrestler who, as a teen, jumped <laughs> and like, and her being like, what the fuck are you actually talking about? But literally, tears in my eyes, so excited. This is the first thing that I saw. Now it. Coming back into wrestling. Now, it would be a while before I watched it regularly, but just this was something where I'm just flipping around on a Monday night. It's July. Um, I'm on my summer break after freshman year of high school. And I came upon this and I went, huh. And I didn't, it wasn't like I need to watch next week or anything like that. But this was the first thing that I saw in my reintroduction to WWF. What a fucking payoff from those JR interviews to get to this. Like, that is planning. And that is foresight. And that is forethought that we do not see even remotely a little bit at all, even a tiny bit now. And it is, it was so gratifying in the moment. And even rewatching it, it was so fucking well done. I, I I loved it. I, I I was cheering again as I rewatched it. You know, you know how I know that it was really really good is I I knew that Dude Love sort of existed prior to this. I knew I knew about like I sort of knew about Dude Love. I sort of knew about Cactus Jack. Right. Um. And I, I there might be others. Maybe McFoley, just as McFoley. I don't know. My point is. Um, coming into this, I sort of knew about like the other incarnations, but I was like, man, mankind though is such a good character. And like when I first even heard of dude love, I was like, this sounds stupid. And I swear to God, this was the most infectious thing I've ever seen. Well, it made ladies come out of nowhere. What a fucking move. (laughs) Like, Oh, I mean it, when it happens later, the, the, this is like the this is like the uh, moose bouche. Yeah, and then the true payoff in SummerSlam is like amazing. It, it became a bit that I was fully fully on board for because it's because yes, obviously it's a bit, and obviously this is all pretty pretty blah, blah, blah. But it came from such like a true real place that's so relatable and so like he was. I'm gonna like I feel like I'm gonna cry. It's like he was like a kid with a dream. And not a kid with a dream like Shawn Michaels, who was like a hot person on top of everything and like whatever. It's like this Mick Foley's like a real fucking average dude. Like he's so relatable. Like the Kevin Owens of the world. <laughs> uh, yes, but not as but even Kevin Owens is cooler. You know what I mean? Like yes. this guy, like, he's just such like a fucking like lumpy sack of crap. And even you know watching what I mean? him, yeah, because even watching him in this match, it feels like he's slower, it feels like he's sloppier at yeah. this point, as far as being a wrestler, but because he's carrying this really this awesome persona it's like 
And he's he's having it looks like he's having the time of his goddamn life. Like yes. he really well, yeah. looks like he's a guy who's been wrestling all over the world for years. But it looks like this is his first time. Like it it it's he got to, he got to go back to this thing, this dream that he had as a kid, and play it out in front of the world. Like who among us? You know what I mean? Like if you had the chance to like, if, if I, I could bring if, Bobby the Body to the uh, real, I mean, like it's it if I had amazing. a chance to play Han Solo, who can also use the Force and has a lightsaber 100%. And also fight his kidnappers on Air Force One. Uh, I would be rooting for the ha- the kidnappers still. Um, here's the thing. I I get where you're going, where you guys are going with this or, or how you connected with it. But for me, I was... I was just so impressed with the. Co- I thought of it from a from a professional perspective, and I was like, "Not a bunch of fucking amateurs like us." Yeah, right? like, uh, <laughs> I thought of it from he's an entertainer, and I was like, "You know what? This guy has so much fucking commitment to the bit." Because for me, the commitment to the bit is is the fact that like when this music starts playing, he just has his foot tapping, he everything's moving, and it's like. It's a it's a great bit when like if you were imagine you're with friends and all of a sudden you decide like you know what guys I'm gonna have a theme song and everyone's <laughs> like fuck you and you're just hanging out and then one at some point you just like surreptitiously put the theme song on and you just kind of like have a, a shit eating grin and just kind of like you're shaking this along. This is a thing you've done before, isn't it? Okay, so when are we it's all getting theme songs? I, I feel like I can like I feel like I've come close to it. When are we all getting theme songs? Wait join you we should do four shots before everything <laughs> literally friendship point of order truly the when do we all get theme songs <laughs> i don't know i've got mine I'm picked soon. out let's just let's just do it please but my point about it is just more it's just that like i was like you know what whether he feels it for real or not he like it, it, it the game is very clear and the game is when this music comes on, I become another person, and I become super happy. And they brought in those when they brought in the fans, the the groupies that like clung to him. I was like, yes, that's the fucking move. And then it taught everybody in the audience exactly what they're supposed to do. Like if this if dude love comes out, you fucking love dude love, and you go fucking crazy for it, whether or not you like. Everybody wants to be on board because it's fun to be on board. Yeah, yeah, yes. Cosign everything. And now we're back to Mankind, though. At the opening match of SummerSlam. Did you forget that we were doing that tonight? Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, right. SummerSlam. Um, I love this match. Is this our first cage match that we've had? Yes. I believe so, yeah. Yes. It's the first one I've seen on this. And so this is the first time you've seen the big blue bars? Yeah, and it's also like... Um, I, 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 I'm going to sound like a real noob to the people. That's fine. Who, the, the one that's, person. That's or, your role. Yeah, I know. But for the one or two people who like actually are, you know, like big wrestling uh, fans, I thought when I saw the steel cage, I was like, oh, it's not, it doesn't have a roof, but that's, I guess, the cell. Hell in the cell is a roof, but also now even the steel cages are made of chain link and, and they're taller. taller. They're okay. much taller. And they have a roof, right? And no, Hell in a no, Cell. No. Only Hell in a Cell has Hell a roof. Cell. That's a cell. They do because steel cages that are The steel cage match now is it's the same rules. You either pin or submit inside, or you escape out the door, okay. or you climb out over the top. So pin or submit so sometimes is or is not relevant. It's very They play very fast and loose with that yeah. rule. There was a second there where I thought Mankind was going to lick the cage, and I was like, you do that, Nick. I thought China was doing great object work with the cage up top, where she was like shaking it, like "Yes, this is a cage. Yes, it is steel. I have. Yes, it is." She was doing. It was a lot of good object work. And Hunter playing the the 
uh, the coward going right for the door, right off the bat. You might call him the cerebral assassin. <laughs> Did I slur? <laughs> cerebral assassin? Shots. The, shot, cerebral, shot, shot, the cerebral assassin. I thought it was awesome. I thought this was like a real spot fest. There was a lot of like yeah. really good high spots and a really. Yeah. I thought honestly, the star of this match in a lot of ways was China. I really think she did a ton of work in this match. Well, she did something for sure when she slammed that cage on Mankind's head. Yes. Mankind wrote in his book that it was one of, if not the most painful thing he's ever experienced. Because <sighs> oh. she really hit the shit out of him with that, and there was no no give, no trickery, nothing. He's got hit in the head with steel in a real, real way to the point where he wasn't sure if he could do that spot at the end of the match the oh my god the 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 superfly yeah yeah she oh knocked the shit out of him we'll, and we'll get to the, we'll get to the big finish but the superplex was a little sloppy but it was still that was good I, they slipped a little bit right it just like it wasn't they weren't all there but, but it was I good i was happy with it i was into it i thought the spot where triple h was hung upside down from the cage and he did the running knee was great that was a great spot yeah um i love china's different ways to interfere through the cage yep. i loved it i uh, thought this was I, great. I, I actually did write at one point i was like uh, these rules make no sense. Why does the door sometimes open? But I understand now. I think it's like when the guy gets kind of when the when it looks yeah. like one person is is on then top. Op- then they open the door. But the one moment where China like this is like I'm not shutting the door. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Oh, the door is shut. China was great in this. Everyone was great. I thought everyone was doing great work. This is one of the, my favorite Triple H match I've seen so far. It was my favorite Triple H Mankind match, and yeah. also my favorite Triple H match because like they've been they've already wrestled before, but like it was like meh. Yeah, and this was fantastic. And I, I really it was a great thought, match. I love. I think China for me, China was a star. Like not China maybe not a, the star. No, no, no. no, 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 no I, 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 I take that back. I take that back. I take that back. But I would root. I would rank. Mick Foley, then China, then Triple H. In but terms also, of like, Triple H was great in this match, yeah. and this Agreed. is going to mark a real turning point yeah. for Triple H's character. Going yeah, forward. I think he, this is where we start. A good partner. This is where we stop seeing Hunter Hearst Helmsley and start seeing Triple H. Yeah. I, I feel like this is like a match that really kind of like marks the the turn. Um, are we ready to talk about the whole mankind like where he can win and then he decides no? That now is the time. Oh there's, there's a small botch in this that China does that's that was a little annoying. So when he first leaves the cage, you saw China come in and then leave again. Oh, because she missed the spot. Triple H was like, "Get out of here! We're not, we're not, we're not ready for you to pull me out yet. Actually, leave." And then, and it, for me, it like broke the illusion a little bit because it's like, "Well, now why is China back outside and just standing there waiting for McFoley to jump off the top of the cage?" Yeah, that was weird. It, it, it really it broke the illusion a bit and it was a little disappointing. And it was I like, was like, "You know what? Maybe she doesn't think she could get there in time." But, and also, yeah. when China's hanging up off of the cage and he throws Hunter into her, it was definitely telegraphed, but I really... I was care. into that spot a lot, because I think everyone was waiting, because now we're getting into dicey territory, where there's not a lot of like intergender stuff and whatever, because violence against women is horrible, it, it, a horrible thing in society, and it, how do we integrate that into wrestling, which is a violent sport, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, but the way, but the way the crowd, the crowd has been so eager for her to get a comeuppance because she's been so villainous in her work in the WWE so far. Like she's been so interfering so much and, and getting involved so much is finally seeing her get a little bit of comeuppance for that. Yeah. Um, the crowd like exploded when she took that slingshot triple H to the cage. Yeah. yeah. God. And then that fucking... Mankind takes off the mask. He can win. And then he just takes off the mask and fucking climbs back up. And 
did because he can be whatever he wants. He opens up his shirt like like sloth. In well, there Goonies. was supposed to be, uh, and there the was the dude love heart was drawn on, but he had sweated off. Like, Aww. but he he did have the heart there. I was looking for it. Yeah, it was supposed to be there, and it was there, but he sweated off during the. And match. that was exactly what was set up in those interviews where he hitchhiked to Madison Square Garden to see Jimmy Superfly Snuka. Yes, and this was the moment that he knew that this was the thing that he wanted to do with the rest of his life, and. Yeah, it you guys. It blended reality and fantasy with this in the most perfect, fulfilling way. As mankind, he climbed back up and did the superfly splash. He was still mankind. I mean, I think you're overthinking yeah, it too much. A he, it, bit. It's I not. Mean, no, he had the mask not, still on. No, he took the mask off before he did the superfly yeah. jump. That was the superfly jump. Is he did before. When he was about to win and decides against it is when he takes the mask off. Okay, you're right. Then he does the jump. Then he wins the match. Because I think I think the point is that Mick can be all of these things. Yes, it's not as it's not as um, clean cut as like I now I'm this guy and now I'm that guy. No, it's not like split. I know what you mean, but I but like I think there was uh, okay that makes sense. So basically, he he opens up his shirt, he goes out. I was I I I got that part right. He does this the the superfly splash. Wins. Amazing. Yeah. Then he has that the 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 spot that that China botched before. Where they have the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. And he You're gets right. out and he falls and he like kind of like in a heap of exhaustion. Basically like fully exhausted and yeah. then he fucking taps his foot. Yeah. And he dances and I was into it I, so a I, million I, times into it. It was so good. So good. And they oh my god, switching the music is such a fucking good move. And then he went over and hugged the guy who was dressed like dude love. Mm-hmm. It was uh, unbelievable, and I was happy for him, and I was like, him as a performer, like, as a real human person. Yeah. I was happy for the character and, like, the way the story ended. Yeah. I was happy for me for having watched it. Like, I, it was so gratifying. I'm a little drunk, and I don't remember the rest of the matches right now. Great. But, like, this might be my favorite match of SummerSlam. Ooh. I wouldn't go that far, but it's in the top three. It, I, yes. I, I don't – I'll have to remember when yeah. we get there, but, like, this was – Amazing, and that's and this is this is the kind of match that opens summer opens SummerSlam. They do say that's like the second biggest show of the year. It's like the there. It's always a toss up between the two. Um, but I thought this was one of the best matches we've watched, like in terms of what it's like being the most like satisfying as an audience member. And speaking of satisfying, the governor of New Jersey is there. Okay, so this was done because the old cage was such you know how now now they lift and raise the fully assembled cage around the ring back then it had to be like set up manually and disassembled manually and that is why this was the first match because it was pre-set up so they can do it and that's why they went to this segment next because while this was happening they were disassembling the cage i gotta say great move to have it as a first match it's a great i thought a great opener it was awesome but this segment with christy todd whitman okay so Chrissy Ty Women they bring out because she killed taxes or whatever. She's that, a Republican, by the way. Oh, of course. I mean, I thought that well, woman. Once they said yeah. kill taxes, I knew. But yeah. Yes. So this entertainment tax, which is why WWF was not going there for so long because it was too expensive to do entertainment things in New Jersey, which is why her killing this tax brought them there. Before, prior to this, they had a huge press conference where the Undertaker <laughs> gave her a paper tombstone for the tax. I mean, it was just—it's so bizarre. So. And she could not be a less cool person. <laughs> of a tax bill, that's right. The death of a tax bill to ensure that 
the war zone can appear in the state of New Jersey, and indeed it will. Not only that, so will SummerSlam as a result of Christy Todd Whitman, the governor of New Jersey. We picked up these We are remarks. opening up the potential to have sports wrestling come back here to the state of New Jersey. I can't go back to the days when I used to watch the WWF, but I did watch it with my son, who was a very big fan. And we bought all the figures, and we used to have regular wrestling matches at, at home, and I understand what a difference it makes to people. I wish I could go back to the times when I was watching WWF. False. <laughs> Second, she talks about, but I watched it with my kid, and he had all the figures, and we used to have matches at the like at, at the house. And I'm like, what does that mean? Was she backyard wrestling? Her son, yeah, they were just, they would slug it out. <laughs> Her son would jump that, off the roof. Oh my god, that's such a, a like a, a lady Republican move to be like, son, fight me. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, this whole segment is insane. Um, everything about it is so dumb. I'm obs- I am I could the watch headbangers. it. The headbangers. They bring the headbangers there, which I did a bunch of research, you guys, as the historian. Because I was like, why the fuck are the headbangers there? Because they're from New Jersey. Because they're from New Jersey. They said if they're from New Jersey yeah, no. during the thing. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I learned so much about the headbangers. I went down a deep Wikipedia rabbit hole about the headbangers. Tell me about the headbangers, Bobby. So the headbangers, Thrasher... Um, went to this wrestling school in Jersey and was so good he became a trainer. He later trained the Big Show to be oh. a wrestler. Um, he is like a, a known as a great wrestler. Thrasher also trained Mosh, and that's how they started doing what they were doing. Um, it was Jim Cornette's idea to make them the headbangers. That was his whole thing to like make them this metal thing. If you were wondering, and I, I only have updates as of 2010, so the last nine years, they're for sure both dead. But, <laughs> um, it, as of 2010, Thrasher. Over, was overseeing five Domino's pizza stores and nearly 150 employees in the Southern Maryland area, while Mosh was a sales director for Dex Imaging in Tampa, Florida. We need to go to all those Domino's <laughs> and find him. Can we go to one? Just one? Do we well, he's like, not there. Who knows if he, like, he doesn't spend all his, his days at one. Do you think he's at every single, he, he rotates Eric, around? he is overseeing 150 employees, <laughs> Okay. He has to travel. That's 30 employees per domino. Have you guys noticed there's this one guy who's in the crowd, and I've seen him multiple times, definitely at the Madison Square Garden match. He's like a th- like a, a thin, muscular guy in a tank top with glasses and a hat. This sounds like you're describing my grinder profile. It looks like it would be a, a grinder, like a guy that oh, you might hook I up with. Notice. You no, know I did, what I notice, did notice in the crowd was dude with long hair, devil horns, and a skull puppet. <laughs> that sounds like something out of Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> what I noticed in one of the Raws before this, I forgot to mention earlier, was an actual like child, female child, a little girl, who yells, Fuck you at Bret Hart. <laughs> I watched it like four times. It was so good. She was an actual child. Was yelling, that in Texas? Fuck you. Yeah. No, it was in uh <laughs> Yeah, it was in Canada. She's I don't know. She's I don't know what It they're was the doing. July fourteenth episode. Just yelling, fuck you at Bret Hart. And I was like, that girl is everything. Um so yeah, so the Christy Todd Women is out there being the, just the coolest person in the room. Um, oh, I also wrote, I can't wait for Bret Hart to take the title from Christine Todd Whitman. 
for the fifth. She's gonna, he's gonna be the fifth time. Oh my god, that would be amazing if he just came in. He lost to the Undertaker and just ran in and and beat the shit out of her and took the title. Christine Todd Whitman is cashing in the money in the bank. I mean, she definitely could be a stunt double for Linda McMahon. The two of them need a buddy cop movie <laughs> for sure. So we have. Goldust versus Brian Pillman, and I've got like no notes for this. It was garb. I actually have I have very little notes for a couple of these matches because I was just like, what? First of all, the build up was like garbage too. The the mannequin that they brought out with the Versace dress. Apparently, and this is stuff I don't know because this goes this is WCW stuff early days. Brian Pillman is known as one of the best wrestlers of all time, like one of the best like in ring workers of all time. But by the time he reached WWF, his body was destroyed. He was a, a massive drug addict. It, we're getting him on, like, the last legs. But and, apparently he was known for being before great. because we've seen him with other people, but this is the first time we've seen him in singles competition on a pay-per-view. Yeah, it's it. this was not exciting or pretty in any way. Also, in a great... Um, there was so much homophobic shit in those Raws leading up to this, and it made yes. me remember, I was like, oh, right, this is why I was, like, watching wrestling as a child and feeling, like, so unsafe and, like, so much shit. Um... But there was a uh, bit about when they were talking about Pellman, Goldust, and Marlena in, in promos in the Raw's previous. They're like, but my hairdresser said, and I was like, oh. way to like barely code this language. Ha. It was it was real. It was real direct yeah, and real shitty. Really, really but yes, the hairdresser bit, cross-dressing, putting on dresses, blah, blah, blah. blah. It's kind of dumb. I mean, it's very dumb that what they're doing with Brian Pillman, Goldust, and Marlena here. Um, but it, it does foretell a lot of the kinds of things we'll see that are very misogynist at least i know we're like i mean pillman was chasing marlena around the ring like he was peppy lepew and she was a cat who had her back painted white (laughs) yes correct absolutely correct that's the only good line i had for this one yeah there's there there that was that if you had just said that in the pay-per-view and that was it i would have been like that was a pretty good match the only wrestling things i have to talk about in this were i i I liked um gold dust like springboard back elbow off the second rope that was nice and unexpected um and then he botched the shit out of that sunset flip that was tough to get through um but i thought actually pillman did a good job of like salvaging that spot in the end of like making it seem like he was really fighting it when truly Goldust fucked that up so bad. Now, since we started this, anytime the Godwins come out, our collective response has been fuck. Oh man. And I have to say, I don't like the fact that they're not wearing shirts anymore, which apparently is the the signal of the new edgier Godwins. I don't like the Confederate flag that they're waving around. You don't? But <laughs> god damn it, does their new theme song slap or what? Their new theme song is a lot better. It it does. Uh, it got, sounds like um, Bubba Sparks put out an album in like 2002, 2003 called Deliverance, which is actually like a really fucking dope, and, and uh, Timbaland produces the entire thing. It sounds like a sample off of that album. Guys, I have to tell you something, and I'm not proud of it. Shirtless Godwins and overalls. Oh no, they do it for you? Neck down. Neck down only. <laughs> Neck down only. Completely do it for me. What is wait, no, what does the tattoo say? And really with that? Oh, I don't know. What was the tattoo? I didn't clock that. I was just look I was like I was uh there was nipples akimbo and I was just like totally starstruck. And I was like, yeah, I, I would I would and I think have had sex with guys who look just like that. Neck down though, neck down. Okay. 
Fair. I I mean I will say uh, from the straight perspective I was like they got a good they got a better look. It's better. It's better than they with do look the edgier. Also, keep in mind Henry Ogun was wearing a yellow T-shirt before, but Phineas was wearing was wearing like a union suit under those overalls, and I was like, oof, you look like a walking yeast infection. <laughs> By the way, their their overalls were like half sweated through before they got to the match. Literally, I have watched wrestling for so much of my life. I have watched wrestling for at least two-thirds of my entire life. And my biggest question is, why is everyone so wet? That is my number one question. Listen, if there's one thing that... Oh, he didn't have... Did he have that? He had that. At the time? It says redneck, and it's just... It's a mess... Of it's a tangle. I think there's a Texas. It looks like Henry did that to him. Oh, I know the redneck. I saw that while riding a horse. (laughs) If yeah, uh, he got there faster than the train. But I was gonna say, you know, if if there's one thing our podcast should endeavor to try to find out, it's the answer to the question: How do you get so wet? How do you get so wet? Listen, we're not. We're trying to start a movement a little bit. You know, obviously, we want to talk and hang out with each other, but eventually, I'd like to talk to some wrestlers and just get an answer to that question. And then we could just like let them go on their way. Every que- every wrestler, I'm just gonna be like, how did how did you get wet? Indie wrestler and my like maybe maybe number one, but at least top three wrestling crush, Joey Ryan, pours baby oil on as part of his entrance, and he's not nearly as wet as all these people. <laughs> right, but he also like shows you. Yeah, you see how the sausage yeah. is made. Ugh. Yeah. Speaking of, oh, oh. All right. I can't talk about Joey Ryan and Sausage, and I'm going to pass out. Okay. So the Godwins are the heels in this match, despite the fact that Legion of Doom broke their fucking neck. That, and, and that's what I'm... So like, even this match, which I think of the entire card is the match I would throw away if I had to pick one. Like, of one that I was like, this oh, was... Oh, this was awful. It was bad. I don't care. But even this had, like, a story to it. Yeah. Which was, like, every single match, even this, which was a throwaway match. Yeah. Look, again... Still had a story. Again... Tell, say again, the Godwins make me say fuck in a in a not happy manner. This was higher energy than I expected, and the crowd was hype for this match. So yeah. you know what? I had I was fine with it. They love LOD regardless if they're any good yes, in the ring. I whatsoever. agree. I wrote uh, intentional and personal. That was what they said <laughs> when they when I, I believe it was uh, Legion of Doom did something to like break the necks of. Uh, of the Godwins. Yeah, that again. Netbreaker was fucked up for a face to do. Yeah. Like, like that's a fucked up move for somebody who's supposed to be like beloved. It was intentional. Shades, and shades of gray. gray. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was intentional and personal. Yeah. Legion of Doom won. That's fine. The tag division is a mess it's right a now. Joke. And I cannot wait until we're a year and a half, two years down the road and the tag division is on fire. Yep. Agreed. Uh, it was weird when they cut to Captain Lou Albano and. <laughs> I, like I don't know this guy. I had no idea what he was saying. He sounded like a minion. He was like, <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe he was gonna event, like he's being written in to be like a manager, but it didn't no. seem like it. No, no, he just no, 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 no. he just lives in Jersey. He had nothing better to do. I saw minion porn for the first time. The other whoa, day. whoa! I can't, uh, I can't, I listen, can't. It's what? SummerSlam, Aaron. We can't get through your fucking. Yeah, we're already like an hour and a half into this. Your psychosexual fantasies. Any other time I'd want to hear it, actually. <laughs> well, you know what? I would talk about it, but we're about to get to the moment where I could spend 
45 minutes I could watch about the, the next segment every day for my entire life and never be tired of it. So, Bobby, you want to talk about the lead up to this? So, basically, they're for weeks, for a month, they've been doing this thing where they're going to fly people to SummerSlam for a chance to win a coffin full of a million dollars. Like, why already, a no one has any idea. So many questions. <laughs> Uh, we know why up. it's a coffin. It's literally what was left over from Undertaker's like <laughs> gimmick shit. But there is clues. Which, so the clue would be like a key. And the answer to the clue is key. And then there would be <laughs> a hotel room that is 2A. It would be the clue. And the answer is 2A. So I've watched enough for it to be like the key to a luxury and that that I, I i gave up oh so it was like it was like the um the lone star beer caps yeah it was like a pictogram exactly. kind of thing yeah. but they gave you the answer like it wasn't even a picture it would literally be like the like the number two and the letter a and you mean like, they gave the, <laughs> the picture gave you the letter u yeah gave you know our friend gave <laughs> <laughs> But it was insane, and the, the lead-up would be like, someone's going to win a million dollars. So they're going to bring them here, and then also they're going to call people. And the whole thing, oh, it is, man. this is known as one of the worst things they've ever done. One of the best things I've ever seen in my life. They say, they mention, they talk about this, they talk about the Bailey, this is your life segment. There's like a few things that are like infamous for being like just wild misses. Like... And yeah, it did not go as planned. Well, so okay, so so let's go piece by piece. Okay, the okay. Starts with the family at the airport. This family is from upstate New York, and they flew them to New Jersey. It was they a, probably it was had a to go to like twelve minute flight to Rochester. They flew out of Stewart, I'm sure. <laughs> what? And that family is barely excited to be there. That dad is mad that he had to take that Monday off from work to go to New York City. No, to go to New Jersey. They had to fly to Newark. Well, I'm thinking in the uh, 2019 parlance where where East Rutherford is just New York City. (laughs) I mean, everything about this is incredible. Like, I was trying to think a lot, like, if in best case scenario... Even if this went off without a hitch, it would still be amazing. What were like? What were they even planning for? They they were like, "Here's what we'll do, guys, guys." No, okay. no, no, no. Sorry, we have go to go ahead. like this because there is. I do not want it to miss out on a Aaron, moment. Here. Aaron, Aaron, you lay yes, it out. Yes, guide us. You lay please, out please lead us. Next, we cut to a newspaper, the <laughs> Journal and Courier. Patrick Stevenson from Indiana, who's losing sleep. Who's losing sleep, and they uh, they show the newspaper headlines of WWF fan loses sleep over like great opportunity, and on the same newspaper, I am laughing so hard already. On the same newspaper of the Journal and Courier in Lafayette, Indiana, underneath. Just you know, just below this the is, big the big this headline, is top of the fold, top right of, here. T- yeah, top of the fold, just below. Fifteen dead in bombing. <laughs> Fifteen people were killed in a bombing. 
Was that bombing in Indiana? What bombing was this? I don't know, but it doesn't matter because the most important thing that was happening in Indiana that day is that Patrick Stevenson is losing sleep over this contest. Well, well he's, he has to fly to New York. He's got to fly to New York. He's he, got to pick the right key. He's got a hundred keys to choose from. One out of a hundred. He's got he's got even chances, as we might say. Guys, how does he even get a casket full of money back to Indiana? A casket does full the, of singles? Singles that are definitely ten thousand dollars. Who does cares? The, Who cares that Gerd is going to stay on as the county's top attorney because Patrick Stevenson is losing sleep over this contest? The 15 killed, though. Was that in Iraq? Or was that, like... It's 1997. I don't know. I feel like I should be able to look this up. I have to say, the Journal and Courier kind of buried the lead. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just get another paper printed out. Just get one that says, like, underneath, like, Chuck E. Cheese opening up. Like, anything. And we haven't even gotten to the contest yet. Holy shit. So, the contest is, there is a an arrangement of a hundred keys spelling out the WWF logo. And the two people that have been flown there have to choose a key that will open a lock that will fit into a coffin, but it doesn't end there because WWF decided in a live broadcast that they were going to cold call other people who sent in the contest, and it shows Todd Pettengill dialing. He asks okay. for a he asks for a dial tone. Guys, He's like, no, 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 I need to hang up on this. Do you know how on Frasier, Frasier had Roz? And so Roz would do all the pre-work. <laughs> really, what they need is a Roz who can be like, call her on the line, Todd. And instead Todd's like, I got this bitch. I'll dial my damn self. Well, they had a Roz, Working except Roz was using the paper to cover up her tits. <laughs> yeah, they have two. They have Sable and Sunny are out there. Sunny is wearing an amount of body glitter that when... You stare directly at her tits. It's like the Ark of the Covenant. Like, it and you is know what? truly blinding. And you know what? Blinding. Sable and Sunny are doing their goddamn best out there. I'm going to say it. Sunny outshone Sable. I, yeah. I agree. I think uh, I think Sable looked kind of like a, like, she looked like an older lady. Well, here's the thing that we will, you will go on, you will soon learn, is that Sable has literally zero personality. There is no there there. None. Which is why she's married to Brock Lesnar now. And, <laughs> Sable's married to Brock Lesnar? Yeah, literally to this day. They are married currently as we are recording this podcast in 2019. What do they do together? Certainly not have scintillating conversation. I can tell you that much. I don't even understand. I imagine he fucks her for about 30 seconds if it's entering uh, (laughs) any indication. He turns purple. He shoots his load. (laughs) You know the phrase purple had a yoga slinger? It was actually originally coined for Brock Lesnar's entire personhood. He's literally purple-headed and just throws Yo-Play all over a room. <laughs> Todd Pettengill dials a phone the same way that Shawn Michaels types on a computer. Except he does it, yeah. He actually needs to do something with it. And then everybody is, like, shaking the paper in front of him, like, here you go. Here and that's like, stop wiggling it. That's stop the stop wiggling. Stop wiggling. I didn't realize. I thought you meant about, about Stone And you're Cold's like, first neck. of all, Sable is crammed into a pleather jumpsuit. Nothing is wiggling. And second of all, 
Nothing is wiggling. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Sable just like she looks fine, but like they—they they both are beautiful. Sunny, women. Sunny had superb inner side boob. Yeah, and she, had, she literally had. She looked like she came out of the movie Jawbreaker. Like it was the most like '90s hot thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like her hair was like teased up and and like aquanetted to nothing. There was a minute there when he was dialing where I thought the entire rest of the show was going to be this segment, and I was okay. And with you're it. like, I'll watch another two yeah, and a half hours two, this show. Yeah, two hours of just him being. And then the guy, the guy who says, I'm not watching it. We don't. <laughs> the cable carrier doesn't cover it. What do you mean your cable? You're like, it's pay per view. Well, yeah, not for free, but you could order no, it. That was a thing, though. Was that a thing you could not like even certain, access like certain, it? Yeah, no, certain cable carriers wouldn't didn't carry certain uh, things. I'm gonna call bullshit and just say that the guy was just like responding the way that people respond when you phone bank for a candidate now and be like, I don't. There's no election here. <laughs> No, sir. No, there is, actually. There I, is. I feel like if I got that call, I'd be like, yeah, I'm watching. I can see you, Vince McMahon. Oh, it was but, oh truly, I mean, painful to watch. How many but, calls did they Because I loved through? it so Five? much. Yeah, Five and calls? I think so. Because there was like not there was the no answer. Then there was a then there was the lines were disconnected. Then there was the guy with no cable. Then another no well, then, answer. Then and then Rebecca. And then Rebecca. Because Rebecca, Rebecca pulled, came through. Rebecca pulled the prices right power move. Patrick chose thirteen. I'm gonna choose fourteen. Yeah. Except it wasn't. <laughs> there's no prices right there. It's literally just like a number. There is one no, out of a hundred. There is no fucking way. That this was not rigged. Well, first of all, you don't choose three unless you expect to not give away a million dollars. Like there's, they did not. There's no way they. The, the man was definitely took all that cash. You took the full coffin the he next took day, all five thousand dollars to Chase Bank, it. and was like, "Please put this back in my bank account." It was. It was all one. It was all one dollar bills. bills. We, I think. At this point now, we are more literate with movies. We know what a million dollars looks like, or should. And then, and then when they they announced that it was three, the little kid goes, "Oh, like thirteen? Like I, it was so like, close. Oh, thirty-three. I should have chosen three. I think he was like, I was gonna choose three. <laughs> Did he I say like that three or something? Second choice. There Ugh. is an image from this pay per view where. The, where Patrick and whatever the kid's name is are both wearing matching Discovery Zone shirts next to Sable and and Sonny where if you would, and I did freeze frame this and it will be on our Twitter, but it just looks like, why are the sad man and the bald man fighting against the strippers? <laughs> I think it's already on our Twitter for the for the listeners. Yeah, I'm going to put it on again. But also, oh, why is the again. sad okay. man and the bald man fighting against the strippers is literally the storyline of most pay-per-views. <laughs> Honestly? The sad man's Undertaker, the bald man is Stone Cold, the strippers just... Shawn Michaels. <laughs> it's uh, literally uh, what we've been oh, watching. This is, like, this is like, oh, the doctor is the mother. I, I was like, strippers, <laughs> it's got to be a woman. <laughs> I can't operate on this boy. He's my son. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded so insane when you said it. <laughs> like, what the actual fuck are but you talking makes, about? It makes like yes, it yeah, makes absolute yes, sense. Yes, yes, All yes, it takes yes, is yes. like it took a half second. But you said it, I was like, oh my god, Eric's dead. <laughs> <laughs> More shots before the. Show. 
Wow. 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 Uh, wow. Can I wrap up on this one? Absolutely. Yes. There's nothing. And thank God for this because ugh, this next match was a dog. Really? Uh, well. Wow. Well. It was actually well. Elpo. <laughs> Sir. Um, the match wasn't great. I thought the post match angle no, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah, ama- yeah. was no, amazing. The match bored the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, it was bad. And then as soon as the match ended, I was like, yes, yes, 100%, yes. The yeah. match is between British Bulldog yeah. and um, Ken Shamrock. And, and hot, hot, so hot, number one hot, could not be hot or hottest person in this pay per view, Ken Shamrock. Go and, on. And Meat Face took on a whole Oof. different. Uh, you know me. You know I love a beaten face. So. First of all, I'm going to say that. I was when they were showing the the I guess the promo images the the photoshopped whatever things of Ken Shamrock I wrote down that pictures of Ken Shamrock are like Dorian Gray I feel like he just keeps looking older and uglier in the pictures and like well well he himself well he himself man. doesn't yeah he's fine but like every or time you see him like ooh what's going on with what's going on with that face like he looks crueler like it was whatever he's doing in his real life, it was showing up in all of those like in those uh, images. But when they were wrestling, I just wrote this is an action figure match. It was like Christine Todd Whitman's child playing with his wrestling figures. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's not great. Shamrock is so new to the business at this point that he's like still like learning as he goes. So I think that was really this. And I think Bulldog is not the kind of person to carry a match like this at this point in his career. So it was not. Super great. And then Bulldog smears dog food on Ken Shamrock. There's few things I find more disgusting than wet dog food. I truly, like, I can, I can barely feed my dog dry. Like, the smell of dog food for some is, like, one of the most disgusting things I could possibly imagine. So watching this match, I was honestly dry heaving as it was happening. I was like, are they using real dog food, do you think? Because you know Vince Man was like, put you in the fucking toilet and there's no health insurance. <laughs> you know? Get in he, my office. Then he wasn't get like, the dog food. can we use prop dog food? He's like, no, you're going to use real dog food. We're going to get it from the bodega. Like, it's going to be totally. Here's what, I, here's what I will say. If they did use the canned corned beef hash, I think it, nobody would have noticed. No, and as you know, gross. It, it looks like dog. Canned gourd beef hash is literally famously the only food I won't categorically not eat. I will eat anything else. As I, we know, I will. Eat, I feel like I've. Ta- I, I must have mentioned this. This is this, this is not all my in- friends in Houston joke all the time. Like, what you get for dinner? And my friends are always like, mm, canned corned beef hash because they know it's the one thing I will not. This eat. This is not in our lore. This, yeah, no, sorry. Well, now you know. Listen, um, if you're a listener and you're in our friend group, which means you're all of our listeners, uh, please let us know if you've ever heard about Bobby yes, and I his aversion like I'm surely for talked about this because this is truly this is the one thing I categorically will not eat, which is canned corned I mean, beef. Again, we've said no. We've okay, well, I, I let the we know this. let the fucking record now, show that you pull out a can of corned beef hash while I'm around. Now I am a hundred percent. My 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 fridge is going to be. Do you That's, put that in the fridge? I don't know. No, definitely. It's a canned good. Okay, yeah. fine. I'm going to have it. I'm going to take it Your out. Your cabinets will be filled with it. I can't wait to host another So do you think here. we used... They used corned beef? No, it, it actually looked like dog food. It was real it, ass Because, like, it, the uh, thing about... Because uh, corned beef hash, like, has a little bit of, it's like, ready maybe or onions or something. And potatoes. It's, it's, yeah, this you know, one... Vince McMahon took a handful of singles out of the car <laughs> and it was like, you got to go across the street, buy some dog food. <laughs> So fucking lutely. That's what. Right. First of all, you got to go across the highway because it's East Jersey. (laughs) Ken Shamrock snapping becomes his whole gimmick. Yeah. And it is fucking great. And that was cool. And him just beating up everybody, beating up the refs, beating up the officials, beating up everyone that he can see. 
Yeah, Sh- Ken Shamrock will kick the shit out of all of your doughy men. As a doughy man, I am very nervous around Ken Shamrock. You are not doughy. Stop, stop it. You stop. But We're I could a little doughy. I could have watched Ken Shamrock belly to belly suplex people truly for the rest of the show, and I would have been very happy. I know I didn't tell you guys to watch the lead up to the next match, but it included one of the things that made me LOL, LOL, LOL. Um, so we're talking about uh, the Disciples of the Apocalypse, who are the offshoot now of the Nation of Domination, founded by Crush, and Los Bariquas, the other offshoot of the Nation of Domination. Los founded- Bariquas. Like, it, you have to, they, they gave it a lot of inflection. Sorry. Go on. Founded by Savio Vega. And they had a moment where the Bariquas were, um, were, were beckoning the camera towards them where they started fucking with the Disciples of the Apocalypse's motorcycles, and it led to a knockdown drag out. And at, afterwards, so the Bariquas kind of beat down the bikers, and at one point, Smash or Chain or Claw or whatever the fucking Eight guy's ball. name Whatever the guy's name is, is in the arm of maybe Crush. I don't know. I can't tell anyone in either of these two factions apart. Just goes, The Brotherhood. And it was the funniest thing to me. See, I missed that. My two favorite part. things are one, no explanation to where Crush's like weird pizza tattoo went. <laughs> no, no, it's still there. He's just covering it with the van. The oh, bandana. I thought it was gone. Oh, maybe no. I'm confusing him with chains. <laughs> but also, Crush was talking about this is a real brotherhood. We live together. And I was like, well, hold on, back up. <laughs> you all live together. <laughs> Like in a weird Brady Bunch kind of situation. They sleep in one bed. In like one bed. The, like, like good night, the James. Three stooges. Good night, eight ball. Good night, skull. Good night, crush. It was bizarre. And then we obviously have to talk about the one guy in Los Bariquas who has enough body hair for all eight men. <laughs> Miguel, uh, what's his name? Perez, I believe. Right? Miguel Perez, the, the human Ooh. sweater. I was like, this guy is distracting with the amount of body it hair is, he has. There is a chant that will come up, and I'm just going to... Guys, I feel like it was undersold. So the guy was beaten to a pulp. He's in the arms of his friend, and he goes, the brotherhood. This is not funny to anyone else but me. This might be a lot like the moon. Really want to go there, but you're not gonna. I just think anything, and this is a well they will repeat, they will return to many times in the coming years. But just, I think they overestimate how intimidating it is to see someone ride a, a motorcycle very slowly around a ring. Well, <laughs> they're like, this is know. very was, intimidating, like, and I'm it's, like, it's like the idea of a motorcycle is terrifying to me, and just like the idea of me being to the rider mostly. But the but yeah. the idea of me being in control of a motorcycle is yeah yeah is, yeah is, is is fucking terrifying. So the fact that they were able to to execute this at all, I am impressed by. Well, they were basically walking their motorcycle. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah. this was like the precursor yes. to Triple H's like later years where he enters. And there's in. several things in between oh, where so, motorcycles so are sure, sure, sure. a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, this is probably the first. The I, I, it surprises me that you bring up this scene because I, I did watch this scene. It surprises <laughs> me that you bring this up and you don't mention the nonsense story that Savio Vega is talking about where he's like, he's like, it, the, the bikes, they were under the car. I just got my license. I have a license. I'm like, what are you saying? Slow down. Take a breath. What is it you're saying? What What is your story here? I was distracted by the hideous upholstery of that car. It was like mustard yellow crushed velvet. And I was like, no, 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 no. 
Also, none of the bikes were under the car. There was just one guy in the background while Savio Vega's like, a bike was under the was under the car. One guy in the background is just hey, Miguel Perez was just smashing a bike. Look, all That's I can it. say is that as someone who did wear a t-shirt while swimming, if you have that much body hair, why are you in a singlet? <laughs> I don't want to see Crush pick it out of his teeth, is what I'm saying. <laughs> But what it really comes down to is this is a, a rivalry of misplaced aggression because they all should really be mad at Farouk and True. the Nation of Domination for turning their back on them. But instead, they've been trying to go on each other. Well, the lead-up, though, was a lot of miscommunications between Crush and Savio that were making distractions. Their internal conflict was distracting Farouk, which is why he fired them in the first place. So it makes sense that all this is an outgrowth of everything. And I thought there was a raw, I think it was the raw from from July 7th that ends um, in the Goldust-Brett match where there's the Bariquas are out, the Disciples of Apocalypse are out, Ken Shamrock and and Legion of Doom come out. And Disciples of Apocalypse definitely sounds like a late 90s X-Men storyline. Oh, a hundred percent. But what I love about this is horsemen, right? It's why I'm so mad with current WWE's um, No, the Four Horsemen is WCW. Refusal though to to do factions. Mm-hmm. Because here we have, I don't know what, twenty-five wrestlers like all around the ring. And, and everyone nobody matters. But everyone makes sense. Yeah. And everyone's getting a rub on everyone else. Because the Heart Foundation is out, Austin comes out. They're like, oh my god, we're like literally dealing with twenty-five wrestlers here, and they all have something to do, and they all like you get all of their motivations because even Miguel Perez, who doesn't have a character, doesn't. I don't, we Pereira, I, I think Perez, Perez, I think it's Perez. Can I call this an East Rutherford street fight? You can call it whatever. you <laughs> it's want. It's an East fight. Rutherford street fight. <laughs> no, in an East Rutherford street fight, Christine Todd Whitman comes out. <laughs> With the belt. Yeah, and her son. Eight men enter, six men leave. Also, about this is Vince managed this as a 10 man tag match, and I was like, no, it's not. (laughs) It was just, it was just everybody fight. It was a mess. It was a mess the way that they've had them be a mess every single time. It was bad, and it was worse than the Nation on Mission comes out, who D'Lo Brown, you'll learn, is amazing. Kama Mustafa, who uh, we may know as the Godfather or Papa Shango, also great. Um, Ahmed Johnson is still truly the worst wrestler to ever wrestle. It's unbelievable. Johnson? And then, he got hurt that night. He did get hurt because if you watch him do that Pearl River plunge, which it was, was bad. Was from terrible. start to finish bad. From the moment he picked him up, you're like, bad, bad, you're doing this bad. The guy and like wound up on his like landed, And he landed. His, like, well, usually he underhooks. I mean, the whole thing was a fucking disaster. He lands on his legs instead of like on the floor. The whole thing. I was like, this is your move. What are you doing? And I also just, I need to say that the racial undertones in the lead up to this are super gross, especially when they were in Canada and they were booing the shit out of the Bariquas, they were booing the shit out of the Nation of Domination, and so the white bikers just became the good guys. Oh. Well, which is why you had mentioned from previous Raws, and we don't have to talk about them too much because there's really not much to talk about, but the Truth Commission, they were like, we need, oh, another, yeah. they're like, we need a stable of white people because truly we can't just have this be the white people are, are the good guys and all the people of color are the bad guys. The white, the white, like it was Eastern Europeans or whatever. No, right? they're South African. South, oh, they, that's what they I were. know, which is like, uh, you're they like, they don't also, have that, they don't have that, that, that terrible uh, I was like, accent. also, you know what the word, wait, wait, wait. The, ter- I, the terrible accent. Charlize Theron, is that you? Uh, <laughs> I was doing my, my, um, uh, was it Chopra Copley? 
or whatever. Your, your district nine. District district nine. Yeah. But this is it's like, oh wow, we really gotta fix the racial undertones here. Let's bring in South Africa. It's like <laughs> wow, wow, bold swing. Bold swing. But that was the motivation. It's like they we were need white, bad white wrestlers. people at that time. I know, but it's like it's just like what yeah. a it's like wow, I don't, I wanna uncomplicate this racially. Let's talk about South Africa. You're like, oh boy. Uh, did you hear that comment where uh, I think it was maybe JR or, or Lawler. I mean, honestly, they all could have like fucked up with this. Somebody goes, the only guard in this, uh, uh, I think it was Crash or one of the guys from DOA was over in the corner with Los Bariquas. And uh, the, com- the, the, the commentator said, he looks like the only guard in the cell block and he's lost his keys. Racist. Oh. Racist, racist, racist. Yes. I mean, and, I mean, uh, it, this is like a gang attack in the South Bronx came out. In yes. Right. But like, why would you say the only guard in a cell block? Who is the Ooh. guard? Eric. Who's it, in the cell block? I would like to say it gets better. It gets so much worse. So Owen versus Austin. Is this our first Michael Cole sighting? I, think so. I know this is the last we see of Todd Pentengill. Wait, what? Um, this is the last team of Todd Patton. Eric is very weird. I was and not. I was not warned about this. He brought Michael Cole into the fold, and Michael Cole becomes the new Todd Patton. Go. Who's Michael Cole? Where was he? He's doing commentary still today. I didn't. But remember, where I didn't was catch he him in that? This. He was um, running down Austin backstage. Oh. Like Austin, Austin, you have a comment. You have a comment. And then we saw not the answer to our question. Oh, how Austin, Austin gets what? Definitely opened up a bottle of water and dumped him on itself backstage. Yes. yes. So for Austin, we know. Yeah, but Austin's not one even one I worry about being too wet. But yeah, Austin apparently needs uh, spring water in order to wet himself. Tap water will not do. How long did it take for him to wash himself? Thirty seconds. That's my bald. point. That's my point. That actually was a shower, Aaron. So it's actually not an answer. <laughs> that that was him being like, "Look, I got the shower today. Just a quick eight ounces poured over. I'm done." This match is hard to watch. This match is great until it isn't. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you, first of all, from the uh, the opening packages, who was the man who beat Stone Cold Austin? Because I don't get the answer to it in the packages leading up. The Canadian Stampede. I was the man who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was the man that beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. So the match starts off great. Like, um, I really loved um, the. There was some Pete Dunne level finger work in this one. There was here. some great finger work here. Um, Austin is fucking menacing when he's got like his hands clasped together and he's walking towards Owen in the corner. Yeah. Um, and, and the psychology of this match is just, it's awesome because these are two and we have said from, from episode to episode, just how these are two of our very, very favorite wrestlers and how we've grown to love them as we've rewatched all of this going on. Then it goes wrong. Then, Bobby, do you want to say what happens? So they do a spot where I believe Austin goes for a sidewalk slam, which Owen reverses into a sort of like tombstone pile driver setup. 
which the Tombstone Pile Driver is usually done on the knees for it's, safety. Sake. Picture a standing sixty-nine. So that is what we're talking about in terms of positioning. Now, as Aaron said, typically, as you've seen with the Undertaker and Kane, Tombstone they would they would drop to their knees. This makes it very easy to control where someone's head's at to make sure that you're landing on your knees and not the person's head. That's the illusion. Is that it looks like you're dropping them on their head, but really your knees are taking the full brunt of the force and then you kind of lie them down on their back. When you do a regular pile driver, which starts in like a powerbomb position with their head between your knees, you kind of pull them up from the waist. It's just, there's something about that positioning where you're falling back on your butt and therefore like the angle of where your head is at is not in danger because the way you, you land, you're landing on your tailbone first. So when you have a tombstone position and you land in a seated position, the person's head is so much closer to where your tailbone is that the slightest amount of exposed head is going to take a huge amount of impact and a huge amount of compression on the spine and all those things, which is what happens here. Austin's head is too far down. He hits the pile driver and Austin is paralyzed momentarily from the neck down. It was great. And then as I, yeah, I, I have a note that basically said it was, my note was that pile driver looks scary. And there's a reason why it looks Cause scary. Cause it was, that is scary. That, I mean, that, that moment changed history. Like that moment changed everything that comes after it. So it changed his entire style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. So he's much less technical going forward. It's all brawly. He will not take crazy bumps like that. And they must have scared the shit out of everyone because he is the meal ticket. And everyone knows that he is the biggest star. And the fact that he was literally nearly paralyzed is, it must have, I mean. He like literally could not stand up. No, he was temporarily paralyzed for sure. He didn't break his neck. It wasn't a broken neck. He bruised his spinal column is what happened. But he could not move. He was temporarily fully paralyzed from the neck down. And they had gone over that spot, and in the back they had talked about, will you have to, if you're doing a tombstone like that, you have to go to your knees. You have to go to your knees. And Owen didn't go to his knees for whatever reason. And Owen convinced Austin to let him do that spot. And they did the spot, and it was, it went as bad. I guess it could have gone worse. Because he raised his arm at, at the end. He did have yeah, control he, he of his got arm. It, but, but there was that whole time again, when Owen. Again. Owen, they stopped. He hit the move. It was clearly something was wrong. And then Owen stalls for time. And he's walking over being like, I got him. He's going to kiss my ass. Canada. Because he knew because he can't fucking move. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to figure out what the fuck they're going to do with this. And Austin has to win. Because Austin cannot lose this match and kiss his ass. Because it's just not going to work for the character and the story they're telling. Well, first of all, that that finish, it was just like... The weakest he, It was up. just like, it, like he's, he's like, pin me, pin me. And then he yep. kind of kicks a little bit. Because it looked like shit. And they had to, but they had to do it. He had to win that match. There was no way out of it. And also, if Owen hadn't fucked this up, what would have happened to Owen's story and Owen's character? And would Owen end up where he ended up in the very end? I mean, and so like Ooh, this, yeah. so like, would he have ended up reverting to the character he did and the storyline he did had he, had that not happened and had this match gone perfectly? And if they had the fucking five-star classic, they absolutely could have had, would Owen then have been a main eventer and not have ended up in a position where he would have been? So Doing like literally this moment is one of the most crucial in all of professional wrestling history. I mean, it changed 
two lives irrevocably. Like, well, Owen, like in every time Owen shows up in, later in the in the pay per view, he looks, of course, oh, absolutely so upset. This was very bad. This is one of the worst things that that happens on camera on in wrestling. It is so bad. Did, did, and to the point where it it destroyed Austin's relationship with Owen. Yep. Like I was going to ask, did, did they? So yeah. So Brett, like Austin, said that he um, Owen never reached out to him during his recovery. There, Brett was telling him, "You got to talk to Austin. You got to talk to Austin." But I guess Owen was just like so ashamed of it. Um, Austin's quote in saying, uh, "Owen just wasn't that funny to me anymore after this." Yeah. It. This moment changed history and changed lives. It's crazy. So Owen, Owen didn't really respond well to this. No, to but no. but also, but he was. It wasn't out of like being a dick or having an attitude or having no, an ego. He just was but it was, he was. Yeah, it was a huge. But it was just like one of those things, and it makes you know we joke. Obviously, we joke a lot on the pod and whatever about this, but it makes you realize really what goes into professional wrestling and like the risks that are at play and like the very real stakes that like, yes, it's scripted. Yes, it's this, but like the athletics that go into it and the discipline that goes into it and the structure that goes into it and how difficult it is to pull off. Um, and it's moments like this, you're like, holy fuck, man, they are literally like trusting each other with their lives. And it is a sight to behold. It was, it was a rough, it was a rough, like, cause it was everything about the match and he, even them moving him at the end, I'm like, oh my god, don't my move him! Yeah. Also, he was he wouldn't let them. I mean, like it also like it builds Austin's persona up in such a way because he is a tough sob. Yeah. Like that, he really re- that's uh, really uh, is yeah. him. Not is that really. he I is like he I was moving that. at all? That he's like, don't fucking help me. I'm holding up this belt. I'm gonna fucking take this all the way home. And like that is commitment, and that is athleticism in a way that's crazy. Yeah, no, I got physically ill watching this yeah. match it, I, like because I, like i like i you know what there are a lot of th- there are a lot of times where i have to kind of like put on i have to do a little kayfabe myself uh-huh. and and kind of like pretend i don't know things or or like i i i well i don't know if i kayfabe it very well because i'm pretty like i'm like oh i i figured this out but like i didn't realize that this is when it happened and when it happened i was like oh my god oh my god and i remember watching it going Man, every time I watch Stone Cold wrestle, I go, "Is this the? Is this like the the thing that's gonna destroy his neck?" And I didn't realize that it was this one as I was watching it. And so when I saw it, I got so ill, and I didn't realize it was Owen who does it. And that like made it even more tragic for me because I was yeah. like, "I after, love yeah, Owen because yeah. Owen is so fucking good." And he, he's he Owen is great. He's a great wrestler, and that's what makes it even more like upsetting. It's just terrible for everybody all around. There's a lot of pathos in this. But it changes, it literally changes the course of history. It's nuts. Um, It was a great match up until that point, and then it happens. But it's, I think, for our listener, singular, uh, uh, (laughs) you need, if you haven't seen this match, I think you should watch it. I think it's a great example of both wrestling at its best. I think they put on a great clinic leading up to that moment. Um, And I think it's also an example of like, why this is not a joke and like why wrestling is not just some circus bullshit that you should make fun of that actually there is like stakes and talent and skill that goes into it well we do have one listener who literally will not watch wrestling mm-hmm. uh and i the think the son I think, of mayor of governor christine Tyler. 
But no, for that for that listener, I won't I won't call you out. But you know, when you say like, oh, it's fake, or oh, it's uh, you know, how can you get into this? This shit is is real. It's real in a, in a way that is different from movies and acting. Yeah. I mean, like the only way you can get realer is like The Crow, where like you somebody shoots you with a non the Twilight bullet and you die. 90s movie. Right, right, right. The Twilight Zone movie where, you know, a guy fucking died in the, with the plane thing. Yeah, yeah. Helicopter, yeah. The helicopter, right. They mentioned that Owen Hart is the youngest of 12, 12. children. Yeah. Stu and Helen Hart had 12 Fuck children. They are. I think at that point, Helen Hart is like a, a sex slave. Like, this is a human trafficking issue. Like, you don't have 12 people... You don't give birth twelve times of your own. She actually gave birth to that bear. <laughs> this is like this is like the movie Room. <laughs> the twelve the twelve one was just the bear. I was like, oh shit, we're tapped. All right. Now we have to go back, back to Raw, July fourteenth. Shawn Michaels comes out, and Shawn Michaels just wants to go to SummerSlam. Do you want to describe Shawn Michaels' outfit that night? I can't remember what he was wearing, but my notes say Shawn Michaels in his spring break in Cabo Best. He was wearing a white t-shirt, khaki shorts, mm-hmm. and, back to me now. Uh, and as Natalie, my girlfriend, pointed out, loafers with no socks. Uh-huh. He looks like this is how he rolls into the cookout. Oh, 100%. Like, with his music. He's like, hey guys, I'm here. And, just and like, he cannot wait to take off his shirt. Same. And uh, that's the same night that we're wondering about who's going to be Stone Cold's partner. And Sean is evading questions like he evades super kicks in the ring. Is this the one where he ends by taking his pants off? And Vince is like, you're doing... No, not you're going too far. And you can see like... The belt comes off. You can see Vince's erection just Right. Like there is a very highly sexual relationship. There is a very popular rumor. I know. And I think it's a rumor that that they have a sexual... Um, relationship. Yeah, I remember, I remember you said that. So, and I think you watch this and you're like, I can feel the heat between them. By the way, can I say, it's very confusing that in the lead up to, to SummerSlam, um, Brett is like big on this whole like, Gorilla Monsoon and I, we worked out the contract. It's in my contract to have this like, if I if I don't win, I will not, whatever. And then Sean shows up and he basically is like, here's me pleading, wink, wink, to you, wink, wink, to please let me be in SummerSlam. So it's like there's a lot of going – like there now it's like reversed a little bit because it, yeah. it, Brett used to be the one who would like appeal to – Vince and now it's Sean basically saying Vince put me put me in the SummerSlam. Oh oh oh! I thought you were saying it's weird that they're acknowledging that Vince is the owner while also still having Gorilla Monsoon. That, that's what I'm saying. Commissioner. And naming a new that's commissioner. Yeah, yeah, that's basically oh, okay. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's it's kind of like Sean is going over Monsoon's head a little bit. Well, there's the the next week is where I think I don't know are. if it's going. I don't know if it's Sean going over Monsoon's head. I think it's Sean like not buying into the whatever the story, whatever the buying story the is. Story. And so now, in as things go forward, there are going to be very clear roles where there is going to be a commissioner, but there's also going to be Vince McMahon, the owner, who and I don't want to go too into this, but who can who can kind of override. All of that. 
Right. Um, By the way, there was a sign there that said, um, uh, I think it was, Sean kicks ass, Hitman eats ass. Which I don't know, unless there's ice cream in that ass, I feel like <laughs> Brett, Brett wasn't going there. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think Bret Hart eats ass. One of the signs from one of the Raws, I, we're all over the place, but one of the signs from one of the Raws was the Fart Foundation. <laughs> I have that one down too. I love that one. That's not the one I was talking about, but yes, I love the that one. The Fart Foundation stinks. I've, I've, I remember Owen Hart, King of Farts. When, <laughs> that was from you know, a couple episodes ago, but Fart Foundation is great. Oh, also, there was another sign that said Owen Hart and Jerry Lawler, the Fag Foundation. Oh. There, So there's a lot of faggotry um happening um particularly the next week i mean we had first of all i mentioned earlier goldless brian pillman there was like a hairdresser comment that was pretty loaded then the next week 721 they're in canada there's signs that say kill the click and so they're truly yeah. i mean the people are yeah, out yeah. for fucking blood uh sean does a promo at something he said something about fairies and transvestites and I, I, I was trying to figure he's like, yes. We'll take your fairies and I was like, Was Canada like exporting homosexuals? We'll free we'll free your fairies. Yeah, I don't what know are what they I, I I tried to even Google it to be like, What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I don't know what well, But as he's doing this promo, the Canadians are chatting, Faggot, faggot, faggot at him, which, as someone who has in 2017 still been to a wrestling show where someone was yelling faggot for a good twenty minutes. Uh, I can't, it, it, this also brought back like childhood memories in the worst way. That was like very triggering to be like, oh, right. Now I remember now watching this and why I was watching this and being ashamed of watching this and knowing that wrestling was trash and all of these things then was because of shit like that, which makes me very appreciative today, not to break our, uh, you know, our, our mission statement here. Also, that like we talk about what we're talking about, but for AEW and what they're doing to be inclusive and banning people that use transphobic language on Twitter who go to their shows and whatever and like going out of their way, because watching this as a kid was super harmful. I'm sorry. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it was bad. I couldn't imagine if they were like, uh, if they were just like, okay, here's our Jews angle. Yeah. And like they're just like, get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if, for me, if they did the cis straight white men angle. Oh, well, that's what they're that's currently the doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what that's okay. what Pride Month is about, actually. <laughs> Shawn Michaels on July twenty first can't even get down the ramp before he is shirtless. He is now wearing uh, navy blue pants with a braided belt. He does his first suck it that I noticed. Yeah, on yep. this here gets close to it. He doesn't quite do the suck it. He gets close to it. He like he kind of gestures but doesn't say suck it. Yeah. But HBK is announced now to be the special guest referee for Brett versus Undertaker at SummerSlam. One thing, uh, Sean in his promo is talking about like something like, um, why doesn't the U.S. fall into the ocean? Because Canada sucks. Is it because Canada sucks the U.S. and keeps it from falling into the ocean? I believe that's what he was getting to. And I was like, wow, I was forgetting about the entire... All of Mexico, all of Central America, yeah, all like of South America. Like you, the what? U.S. is pretty much sandwiched. Yeah, so we're not going nowhere. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it was not not a good joke. Yeah. Does anyone remember his Canadian Army Men joke? Oh, the old. Oh Canada. yeah, that, no, that, that, that makes sense. No, I know it was I, not a good one. Oh, I thought it was kind of funny. It was okay. It was like, yeah, he he. What is it? He got when he was a kid. He got Canadian Army figures, and they all came out with their hands up. Yeah, that was yeah. That was not funny. bad. Um, did you guys see the the sign that said it, it was a it was at this raw in July twenty first 
where it said HBK refuses to job. No. Oh, very that's a good, good one. Sign. That's a good one. That's a very good and one. true. That's a good one. Yeah, but, but this leads up to one of the craziest moments, and and I think the moment that made me go, "Oh shit!" more than anything else. So I was wondering if this was a shoot or not, and I was trying to figure it out. Oh, the Brett thing. Yeah, if this yes. was if this was real so or if this Hunter, was Hunters versus the Patriot. Um, who we'll talk about next month because yeah. I don't have enough. We don't have enough time. We don't have time to talk yeah, about yeah. him. And he comes down and he slaps the headset off of Vince. And I thought, oh, okay, this is this is yeah. something here. And then the two of them just fucking go at it. And this is where I feel like the Mr. McMahon character was born. Yes. His yeah. face completely transformed. Yeah. His his acting here. Vince McMahon is not an actor. No. His acting in this moment which makes me wonder is well he was acting? it a work was it a i work? don't know if i think this think might, might have been I, a I don't it's, so do we want to do we want to lay it out fully so basically for the listeners they announced that he's going to be the referee Bret Hart comes down he's pissed he knocks the headset off of mr of vince mcmahon who at this point is a commentator ringside always joke always the ha ha just like a fucking like here for a good time charlie but more and more, the audience is learning that he's also the owner of the WWF. Yes. And so Brett smacks the headset off of him. And then Vince McMahon proceeds to pull Brett's t-shirt over to like a hockey fight. Yeah. And they are just fucking swinging at each other. And Vince is scowling and he is mad in a way that we're used, we're used to seeing him for years since this but this is the first time that he is not sort of like you're he's not fucking giving you the same energy as todd pettengill the fire in his eyes are is legit yeah that's why i really i really tried to figure out like was this a shoot i i i unsubstantiated could not confirm and then i mean this should have been the moment before like the last moment before the match itself the following week brett's still pissed the match is on he makes a super timely oj simpson reference um he made a really good joke about how he's gonna sit at home for the next 10 years looking for a smile that was good that you was know good. what it was well the thing is i mean the two these two guys truly hate each other but the problem with this match is that undertaker is basically nowhere to be seen for this he is there for the the flag match that they had. Um, I believe that's on the 21st of July. But the only real moments that we have with The Undertaker is what Paul Bearer has to say. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. First of all, just to talk about that flag match briefly, there's a point where I think it may have been the flag match. It was one of the times where... All of the Americans come out against the the Brett Foundation, the the Hart Foundation, the Brett Foundation, and uh, I thought it was funny that uh, Ken Shamrock came out in the exact same outfit as Stone Cold, and I was like, one of you has to go change. <laughs> <laughs> um, then uh, there's another part where um, it was it was I, I wanted to hit this because we missed it, but um, in one of Brett's promos. Uh, they were talking about uh, Brett's promise that he will never set foot in America. And Brett goes, that was actually, I was talking about that in the figurative sense, yeah. not in the literal oh, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the figurative sense yeah, of I will never work? I will never. That was super dumb. I will never work in America again. Like never makes, doesn't make sense. And I think to your point, I think Undertaker's um, being missing from the buildup to this match actually is part of the story. 
you know that this is always comes down to Sean and Brett and Sean getting in the way of the Undertaker. And I think that's that actually is the story they're purposely trying to tell. So to me, I was fully invested in this. I feel like everybody had something on the line. Everybody had was coming into this with like a lot on their plate and a lot on their mind and a lot going on in their lives. And it all kind of came together in a really, I, I think, a great way, especially I have the sort of hindsight of seeing how the next few months play out and it's like it's so brilliant i think how all these puzzle pieces uh-huh. fit together and came apart and then fit together over the the coming few months and we'll talk about one of the biggest puzzle pieces paul bearer oh my god boy if you thought that he was a tough watch and listen when he had the full makeup who boy <sighs> post flame ball Paul Bear is so much more difficult to take in visually. Are we going to start with July 7th? Because yes. holy shit. First of all, the camera work, it was like, it was a camera that was on a boat that was <laughs> like deep in the, in the, in the tide. It was just the waves were rocking and the cameras in and out. And at one point, uh, he just keeps going. He said something like, Kane is growing up these last 20 years. And I was just like, how old is The Undertaker? Like, what is the... Are we are we saying The Undertaker is now 32? Is he the immortal 32-year-old? <laughs> is he... A, like, what? what is going on? It made no sense. Was this the one that had the necklace with the Grim Reaper no, pendant? No, not that, yet. Okay, that sorry, was sorry, sorry, stupid sorry, sorry, as okay, fuck. Sorry, also, sorry, he said uh, unadulterated. Unadulterated. Hate. I've got that in there. But also, so... Kane is alive, according to Paul Bearer. Kane also had a grave. How did he get the operations for all his burns? Whose insurance was he on at this point? Well, I think Paul Bears took care with the embalming fluid. He just... <laughs> Kane! So then, okay, so so at some point, Kane is alive. We're going to get some evidence. And we get that evidence on July 21st. Fuck. It took a lot for me to unpack what I was looking but at. But there was, there was, oh, there was... When Jarrah's like, why don't you show it to us? Why don't you shut up? I, my problem with this, last episode, we talked about this and you guys were like, look, like it's a, it's a, you know, you have to watch this with fresh eyes. It's a really interesting story. And I'm watching this now and I don't know, look, I don't know if I'll ever have fresh eyes, but watching this where he's like, I could tell you why we have, how I have proof. You see? And I swear to God, this is like when children are just trying to like, it's like uh, the exquisite corpse. Like everyone's trying to add something. And and they also had a, 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 a thing that they carved and they split it apart. And they said, we'll never, we'll keep it for the rest of our lives. What? Is Paul Bearer here right now? <laughs> Show Lisa Ron, is that you? Pitch <laughs> perfect. I just, I don't understand. I don't like. It, it was all just so like. And another, another part of this story that we never talked about before. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, it, I don't disagree. It's bad, but I do appreciate the soap opera. It's something different. It's like it's a different yarn they're spinning over a very long period of time. And yes, there, it's sometimes thinner than others and I'm, I'm not i'm not i don't i'm not disagreeing with you but i do remember watching it and even still now being like man that was something it wasn't always good but it was always something no it was definitely a thing that occurred it was a lot like the like the dialing up on live tv of people <laughs> who may or may not be watching the show but was it a year ago that at some was it at summerson that paul Bear turned the undertaker the first time i'm trying to 
to remember off the top of my head? Um, no, that was, was yeah, that was the boiler room. So I feel like I mean this is a story we've been watching unfold for a, a full calendar year. I love I love this storyline. I love this angle. I love the updates. I love what we're doing. I love the back and forth. It's cheesy. It's soap opera-y. It's over the top. But you need some of that sometimes. And speaking of things that I loved, I loved this match. And I, I love this match. Yeah, it was a very good match. I honestly, I went into this match thinking about who Brett is, thinking about who Undertaker is, and I honestly, for some reason, didn't think that they would have good chemistry together. But they fucking pulled this off. This was a great match. This was a thrill to watch. The thing about Brett is that, like, he's not really a joy to watch in the ring because what he, what he does, I mean, like he's a, he's a very good technical wrestler. I can see that, you know, a few months ago, Eric, I would have agreed with you, but Brett has just proven himself to, to have good match after good match after good match. No, I, I know what you mean, but like, but I guess what I'm saying is there are certain people where you're like, when you see what they do, you're like, Oh my God, like, what like this guy has is just like defying things. Well, he's not like that. He's he's a he he's relentless, and he he plays the role he plays extremely well. Brett is no Ricochet. Right. Yes. Brett is he no Seth Rollins. Like Brett is not going to give you the high spots. That's he's not going to do a moonsault. He's not going to do these things. Right when he goes to the top ropes, he gives you a flying elbow. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And yeah. but like but but also. And so, like, you know, a lot of the match was that. But the thing about it that makes it good is you have The Undertaker, who literally is the only person who can't be beat down by that kind of relentless... Like, Brett is the guy who works the ribs, if we want to talk about boxing. Like, yeah. you know, like, there's the there's the guys who go for, like, the, the haymaker, the one yep. that, that always try to hit the face. Brett's the guy that will work your ribs until you can't hold your hands up anymore, and then you collapse because you just can't, like keep your your stomach will won't let you up um but to have him against the undertaker who is a no sell on a lot of things or at least most of, or at least if not he's not a no sell anymore in his new incarnation but he's uh very what would you say like he he's indestructible he's like the terminator he just keeps coming back to have them go back and forth like this was really really cool and i was into it and then he had a really good suplex like an amazing, he did a suplex with fucking the Undertaker off of the top rope. It was awesome. Shawn Michaels was a really good referee during this match too. Yeah. For most of the match, yeah, and he played the part really well. And I th- and it it must be. I was trying to think of how it works. I feel like referees in pro wrestling, like behind the curtain, play really important roles in terms of communication, in terms of like helping drive the match. I I wondered how it works when it's a wrestler and not a referee who's like trained in that, uh, how it works when a wrestler says he wasn't wearing an earpiece. And so like, I was wondering if there was like anything different in this case or if, how they set it up. But I thought he did a great job. At first I thought I was like, I, I literally thought like, Oh, his gimmick is to be really intrusive, but he actually stopped being intrusive at a certain point. Like at first he was like, Oh, let me check with you. Let me check with you doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then like at a certain point when they hit their rhythm, he was like, he kind of disappeared from the match, which is a good thing. And then, so, like, all of his moves as a ref made sense, too. When the Heart Foundation showed up, it made sense for him to go outside. And, by the way, um, I'm going to do, like, a, a run to eBay every pay-per-view, I think, at this point. First, it was the King of the Ring inflatable chairs for this one. It was Brian Pillman's shirt. 
What was that? It was, and I found it, it was a Weapon X t-shirt from 19. I did clock that and was like, that is dope as hell. Look at that. That is a great shirt. Let me see. That is very good. That shit's fire. Yeah, that was a great shirt. Weapon X. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, um, I loved this. I loved this whole match. I I really liked the breaking of the sharpshooter. I love that. that. I was like, you know what? I'm full in. If there's one person who I will believe breaking a sharpshooter, it's fucking the Undertaker. And, yeah. and seeing Brett go fuck afterwards. I love Brett working the five count on the turnbuckle sharpshooter, or the turnbuckle figure four, whatever. Figure four, yeah. Um, doing a break like working the five count yeah, on that yeah, was yeah. great i didn't understand that he tried to do a, a sharpshooter on the post and yeah. that didn't really make any sense to me it was like he was trying to make it work and i was like no 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 yeah but they worked really well together um there was that superplex slip that they played off really really well yeah because you know what you can believe that yep and then that ending was literally insane I, that was an amazing chair. We talk about the shots that people took. That chair shot. I loved Brett going, fuck you, and spitting in his face. Yes. Spit. Just like hanging. See it. Hanging. He was supposed to spit on his chest. That was what was agreed upon. But Brett and Shawn Michaels hate each other. But So Brett spit in his fucking mouth. <laughs> So he hits Undertaker with the chair, and then Brett covers him. And then the logic is of Sean, who's like just kind of like the ditzy, like, uh, well, I guess I got to count at this point, instead of disqualifying the wrestler who spit in the referee's face. No, because he knows because he has it that he can't be. Yeah, he, he has to be. He has no, to be. If he did anything, they could be interpreted no, as no, bias. No. Any referee who gets spat on by another ref by by a wrestler should get disqualified. I don't think so. I don't. That's the. I don't think that's a rule. I think there's a people. Rule. You, there are people who push a referee and still don't get disqualified. I think had he really it's up had to he, the referee's discretion. Yeah, right, but, but I think I think they they set that up really well because yeah. what they said was. If I'm not down the line, so he was erring on the side of caution because yeah. he wanted to keep his career. And then Sean, and the way that Sean sold, the way that Sean looks Brett in the face as he's counting that three he does count a slow ass count was too. fucking perfect. The look, looking in his eyes, like "fuck you" for making me do. That. I mean, like it was stupendous. The way he bails from the ring immediately, the way he's so mad, the way Undertaker just leaves immediately to chase, like go after, it. like everything about it was fucking perfect. Well, I, I, I wrote down literally in the Raws leading up when I saw the the, the promos being cut. I think it was basically one of Brett Brett's promos where he was like, "Uh, no, I said if I don't, you know, if I lose." Or whatever, and like they're like, no, no, no. You said if you don't win, and I was like, this is gonna be a screwy finish. I know it's gonna be screwy, and it was the best kind of screwy. And like, oh my god, the, everyone throwing the garbage, the mm-hmm. garbage being thrown at him as he's at, at Brett as he's walking away and, as he's going up the and the Brett, ramp. who who all this time has been just like this pillar of integrity, who's okay winning the belt this way. It. It was fucking masterful, and we're not even and we're not even through the saga yet. We still got months of the saga to go. Don't tell me. One of the signs, by the way, I don't know if you if you noticed in there. It, I think it was in the it was in the SummerSlam. One of the signs was um, it was Brett's passport, Brett's U.S. passport being expired as like that date. Why would Brett have a U.S. passport? He's Canadian. <laughs> 
It would, and also if it expires, you just get another passport. You mean his visa, you fucking idiots. Ugh. Kill yourself. You gonna cut that one in earlier too? Yes. Get ready for that stupid hood to face. Cause it's time to meet the real superstar of MMF. One thing be you, and no one gonna come say the sorry carcass. Just make sure we got plenty of insurance punk. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call For Your Reconsideration. Wow. Can I tell you, this is the tensest episode to get through where I was like, please don't talk about my Slammy. Please don't talk about my Slammy. <laughs> it was so, and, and it was so close to many times that I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I better not talk about my Slammy. I don't have a backup. Oh God, oh God, oh God. And the whole time I've been on the edge of my goddamn seat. <laughs> well, what's your Slammy, Bobby? My Slammy Award for the best sign I saw. In five different nights of wrestling that we watched in preparation for this, started at SummerSlam during the national anthem. It is Vince McMahon, hand over heart, looking longingly into the distance, where behind him, a sign is displayed, which reads, Bischoff smells Turner's ass. Oh, I saw that! Great. And it is the single greatest image I've ever. Like, it's a sign, and it's Vince like like paying respect to the the national anthem at the same time. That is truly amazing. And the cameraman pivots slightly. That season is like, oh no, and then tries to turn to position Vince's head in front of the sign to cover it. And it is beautiful. It is of all the signs we saw, that was the best one. And I cannot believe we didn't talk about it before this. And I am so grateful for that. So my Slammy is the running out of options award to the superstar hotline. I don't know if you guys noticed, but every time they talked about the superstar hotline, they were like, it's on option five. You can talk to, <laughs> there was no other option. They mentioned, I was like, well, wait, so what is, what, what's what options is option one three? through four? <laughs> and is it like, does everybody slide down the list? They're like, now you can talk with uh Sonny and, and Sable on option five. Are option four is governor on- Christine Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Option five is Brian Pillman and Goldust talking and, and, and Marlena talking about possible rape. Option one is Mike from upstate New York who's not watching tonight. <laughs> Option two, we just put it next to the Godwin's coveralls. <laughs> like, I was like, just name a name on an option other than five. It was like the five was like the on deck, but they didn't have any other th- any other thing available. I'm gonna go with the congratulations you're competent award. Now Every single time we've gone to one of these, there's been some cut to some weird thing that the WWF has put together. And this time when they cut to the beach party in the parking lot of the... Wait, what is even the name of this place? Oh, it was the Continental Arena. Sure, whatever. I was on the edge of my seat being like, I can't wait to see what kind of horrible things they did here. It looked like a pretty fun party. (laughs) For a, for a party hosted in a parking lot? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, it looked like... The, they like brought a, in sand, I think. Yeah, they, they trucked in some sand. Austin gave everyone the finger. They're like, and, I love you. Fuck me. You're right. <laughs> we are the worst. Fuck me. <laughs> the headbangers were crowd surfing through the crowd. My kind of party. Shawn Michaels was surfing on the top of a limousine. This Teen Wolf like, style. Just like a good party. Although I did read that um, one of the reasons that the crowd was kind of dead throughout this whole thing was because there were so many people drinking in the parking lot before this event. New Jersey! 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 
Love us? Disagree? Want to break our necks with a pile driver? Ooh, let us <laughs> too soon. <laughs> let us know. Email us at helenacellphone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Pod or each of us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slow Pass. Our theme song is There Are Traders in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam, and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please write and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again for Ground Zero in your house. Now I have a question. Oh, boy. Uh, have you been checking the Helena Cell Phone Gmail account? I have it linked to my phone, so if anything... It actually will come through? Has anybody written? No. So <laughs> my challenge to our listeners is, uh, and, and really to keep Aaron on his toes, if you are a listener who doesn't actually know us, Please send an email to that email and helenacellphone at gmail.com. And I promise that we will read the first hundred words that you that you send. Yep. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. If it's something racist, we will dox you. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know yeah, within reason, nothing racist, transphobic. Let's be let's keep it together, people. But but, but I'm very curious. I don't know I don't know. I, I right now I think we've got five, six listeners. Who are very dedicated, and we love them all. I might be reading, I'm a poopy baby who has poop in my butt, and I hate my butt because <laughs> I'm a poop. Well, you, got, you have 97 more words to go, <laughs> so it's going to be great. All right. Have fun editing this one, Eric. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>